30 years of advice for your house, home, castle, or cabin. Y'all have things you want to get done. It's Rosie on the House. Y'all come on in. I got the doors thrown wide open for you, the Arizona homeowner, to come into my house. Wide open? It's Rosie on the house. Wide open. Hmm. Setting yourself up there after last week. Fresh pot of coffee on. Comfortable little couch to sit down here. Y'all come down here and we're going we, to just chat for a little while about your little house. Home. Castle cabin or trailer house right here at Rosie on the house like we have been every Saturday morning for the last 30 years we put our crew together come down to the radio station and broadcast information pertaining about home improvement home remodeling home maintenance off to my right here in the broadcast studio is my wife of 40 years sweet Jennifer thank you babe Mm -hmm. thanks for supporting me and doing this show for all those years. I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Used to drag the kids down here, and each one would take turns, and they'd get Saturday with Dad and breakfast out with Dad. And And now I get every Saturday. And now you get every Saturday. (laughs) That's right. And uh, Jennifer's in the broadcast studio with me this morning. So who do we have at the call screener station? We have Jonah Herkel, a sophomore from ASU who is in the broadcast, the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism. He's from Queen Creek, Arizona, and he will be taking your calls. Give him a ring. I told him all interns need to learn how to operate five ringing phones at one time. So dial in now with your call and question, one 767-4348. Any question you've got about home improvement or home remodeling, wherever you are located in the great state of Arizona, call the one toll-free number. Jennifer's gracious enough to always pay for your phone call by buying this toll-free line. It's one 767 And when he picks up the phone, say, Hi, Jonah. How you doing? Well, oh, Before I get to the update from last week's interview with APS, let me intercede here just for one minute about a broadcast event that's coming up for us. Is that in two weeks? It's in two weeks. Not next weekend, but in two weeks. We are going to be at the Tucson Book Festival. That's going to be on the U of A campus. It's where words and imagination come to life. Tucson Festival of Books, and I've never been to this event. It's a big deal. Apparently, it's a huge deal. Jonah's got his mic on. (laughs) All right, very good. That's all right. I'm going to blame it on Jonah. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll blame it it on the experience engineer. Okay. And we do have all five lines ringing just for Jonah, our new our new intern. He's doing a great job. Y'all hang on. We'll get to your name. We'll get to your call. Get your name. Find out what you're trying to get the answers to, and we'll go from there. But on March, this is going to be March 10th, March 10th. and 11th. Uh, it's where words and imagination come to life, the Tucson Festival of Books. And I guess this is a spectacular event. It's an event that's been going on in Tucson for a long time. I'm so thankful that Susan, our Southern Arizona Rosie on the House representative, uh, turned us on to this. I mean, there's no place that they're putting this many books together that I don't want to be. That's for sure. 
And we have a really, sp- it was hard, I have to tell you, we always like to have someone live in the 7 o'clock hour to interview. It was really hard to pick out of the gargantuan list of people there. But when you click on authors uh-huh. on display, uh-huh. A to Z, it, it, it has to be 150 authors. Mm-hmm. And they're from all, they're national. It's not just Arizona. Okay. Like the Payson Book Festival. Okay. But, but it's, so I was looking for someone that could talk kind of local and found Jim Cook from Western National Parks Association, which I bet you've never even heard of before. You are correct. I've never heard of Western National Parks Association. I have not. They do not get near the credit they deserve for all the education and the tours and things that they put together for the national parks in the West. So he's going to come on. And also, they will have um, representatives from each of the national parks from the Western United States and a live living history set up for the Hubble Trading Post. The Hubble Trading Post. of history. That'll be cool. Set that up with the old creaking wood floors that they've got inside the actual building up there off Highway 191. Uh, It's a cool little spot if you've never been there. Hubble Trading Post. uh, Got a lot of history packed in right there. So that's in two weeks, March 10th and 11th. We will actually be broadcasting live right there from the very heart of the activity. So U of A campus, uh, Saturday, March 10th. Get on down there and introduce yourselves to us. We'd love to love to see some more of our Tucson and Southern Arizona listeners. Okay, I owe y'all an update. We had APS on last week, and uh, I, I got a lot of feedback from a lot of people. Uh, you did, this or past everybody, week. your staff did. <laughs> we fielded all the questions and emails. You got quite a bit of. We did. We did, and the, uh, some of you were frustrated that we didn't cover the equalizer payment plan as well we only gave it the last couple minutes of the broadcast and that's the way a live broadcast works sometimes you just get off on one of rosie's bunny trails and you don't cover all the talking points you've got scripted every single hour that's my fault i did that so i wanted to spend a couple minutes before we go we go into your questions kind of updating everybody on this rate increase it doesn't impact everybody in the state but it does impact They are the largest power provider in the state, so it impacts a lot of you. I am not a, let me just say first, I am not a fan of the equalizer plan. Uh, But I know many of you like the reliability of knowing exactly what the expense is going to be every month. What you're forfeiting by having the convenience of a budgetary number that pretty much stays the same all year long is you're forfeiting the ability to assess your return on investment of products you're installing on your house for the purpose of saving money on your energy bill. Unless you become very, very educated on how to read your energy bill. Even if you're on an equalizer plan, you should be studying the bill monthly to determine how you're doing on your consumption. Are you over-consuming based on the budgetary number that APS set for you. That happened to a lot of people in 2017 because the summer of 2017 was so hot and so long. And then they got hit with their annual adjustment. So what happens is APS looks at your prior performance, your prior consumption habits, and says, you spent $2,400 on your power bills all year last year. So we're going to ask you just to pay us $200 a month, and that's the end of 2016. So you're put on a payment program of $200 a month 
assuming you're going to be consuming about the same amount of energy. And then we're hit with 108, 9, 10 degree days in May, June, lasting all the way through to October with some 100 and high teens right in there through August and September. And you're not paying attention to how much power you're consuming. And you're actually consuming in those months maybe 350, 380, maybe even as much as $400 worth of energy. But you're still only paying 200, 200, 200, 200. So APS gets to the end of that year, takes a look at it, and says, oh, in 2016, you bought $2,400 worth of juice. In 2017, you bought $3,200 worth of juice. So now your bill needs to expand to $260 a month. Well, for a lot of people, that was hitting them just about the time the news of the APS rate increase was hitting the papers. So immediately, many of you on the equalizer plan assume, oh my goodness, I've got a 30% price increase in my monthly bill because of this rate increase. Well, that probably isn't the case. As a matter of fact, if you're seeing it jump up that much, I can guarantee you that's not the case. You've got to study how much power you're consuming, even if you're on the equalizer plan. I hope that kind of cleans the, clears the cloud there on that particular plan. And again, the reason I'm not a fan of the equalizer plan is I'm asked to assess the efficiency of homes all day, every day, all week, all year long. And people want to know, okay, Rosie, what's the first thing I should do to start saving money? And so we give them a priority list. Well, based on your home, based on your historical power consumptions, based on your family, based on your lot orientation, based on the quality of construction of your house, based on the genre of your house, the age and vintage of your house, this is the first thing you should do. Well, if you're on the equalizer plan, you are never going to see an immediate result in the dollars you're spending at APS. You're going to have to learn how to read the detail of your power bill and analyze how many KW are you consuming and how much is going to be on peak and how much is going to be off peak and how much you limit your demand if you're on a demand program. Which I can tell you, in my humble, my most humble attitude of life, most of you should be on a demand program. You're not going to have to move the earth and sun to get it to work for you. You've just got to stagger a little bit how you buy your power. And I've got some more details I want to cover, but we've got a few months to cover it. We've moved the on-peak demand from noon to 7, and everybody got used to that. Now we're changing it to 3 to 8. That means you must prepare to adjust correctly, and we'll be covering that over the next few months. Well, so just be patient. We are working on it. really want to fulfill our goal to educate and inform and help you all make the best decision but it's going to take a little time and really truth to tell we won't really 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 know till it happens and uh, so we do have four callers online don't give up hope we have carrie steve greg and dave they all 
helped us with uh, Phil and Jonah's plate back there. So he, <laughs> he passed the test, and uh, we'll be coming back to that in just a minute here after a couple of sponsors here. All right, if any of you are shopping for a car, I want you to know that the Sanderson Ford President's Day Sale is still on, baby. And I'm telling you, they have got some special vehicles. You can get into the Ford Escape for as little as 219 a month with about 2300 down. And that is an awesome little car. Ford Motor Company. You know what? I, I don't know why you'd shop any other manufacturing company. They are American-made, and they made it through the recession without having to take government money. Sanderson Ford's the biggest, largest, most monster Ford dealership in the entire world. And they're there, located on 51st Avenue in Glendale, to take care of you just as if you were family. Get over there and find out why Sanderson Ford is consistently rated the number one Ford dealership in America. Just remember one thing, they're always closed on Sunday. Here we go. All right, with the full line of callers loaded up, it is our open line hour. Anything having to do with your house, home, castle, house, home, castle, or cabin, uh, give us a ring and we'll see what we can do to take care of you. Let's see if we can start with Carrie. Let's bring Carrie into the conversation. Good morning, Carrie. Hi. What are you up to today? <laughs> um, not much. Just trying to solve a crisis with my uh, condominium. Uh-oh. Let's solve it. What is it? <laughs> Um, about four or five years ago, I had a unlicensed, uh, concrete contractor do an overlay, mm -hmm. which, um, looked beautiful for about six months. And then it started bubbling up. I called him back and long story short is, um, he flaked. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, I didn't have any more money to spend at that time. And so about about three, four years have passed, and I've been watching my entire floor bubble up. Um, I have been in the process the last couple of weeks of having contractors come in and okay. assess it. And I've heard everything from I'm going to have to excavate my entire condominium complex at my, my checkbook um, to find out where I have a leak to there's always moisture in concrete, and I basically just have to have the bubbles all ground off and get it sealed. Can I ask you and a real smart alecky question? Sure. <laughs> how, many, how many how many unlicensed contractors are you calling to give you quotes? Um, I I've had one and two. Uh, I have one coming Monday that's licensed, and I already had one that's been in the business for about fifty years. And he, unfortunately, the licensed ones don't really want to touch the project. A because it's small; it's a condo project, and B because um, you know, they're sending me to the ROC and they're saying, you got to figure out what's wrong with this. And this right. is a big problem. Well, here, Carrie, uh, do you have a pencil and paper? Yes. Okay. I, I want you to call the Rosie certified licensed bonded insured concrete refinishing and coating company. His name is John and his okay. company is Arrowhead deck and concrete. And he's at six, two, three, seven, seven, seven. 3927. 
and he'll take a look at it, determine this, the moisture is is probably the problem. We've got to take a look at the irrigation system. We've got to take a look at any the source of the moisture problem. Or we have to put a texture and a, and a product on that breathes rather than locking the moisture in underneath itself, causing the product to delaminate from the concrete, which is what the bubbling and blistering you're seeing is exactly being caused by. We may just have to put a breathable finish on there that allows the moisture to come on through it and evaporate into the air. So there's, okay. way, there's ways to solve it. Is uh, the finding the problem, that is that something that can be done on the surface at less expense than digging up my condominium complex i would i would guess that it it is uh okay we i haven't had to dig a condominium up to find a water problem yet okay <laughs> that is very good news i really appreciate it if, if, if john <laughs> get, will call him give john a call and if john uh uh, I, I know he'll have a couple real good ideas of what the water source could be and how to eliminate it. And uh, should he want a second opinion, uh, he can call me and we'll, I'll be happy to come out with him and we'll take a look at it and get it pinned down for you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. All right, Miss Carey, that's why we're here every single Saturday morning for you and for Steve calling about a kitchen remodel. Good morning, Steve. How can we help you, my friend? Yeah. Good morning, Rosie. Long-time listener, second-time caller. Second time. What was the um, first time? I, um, I had a question about some lag bolts and how to whether to put them in a lead shield or other kind of way to put a gate up. Was that about a year ago? Uh, it may have been about a year ago, but the answer is the, the my, my gate's still up, so <laughs> your, your 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 answer was right. All right, good, good. All right. So, how can I help you today, right, so my friend? So I'm redoing a uh, a kitchen. I'm putting in new countertops and new tile backsplashes. And my question is, which do you put down first, the countertops or the tile backsplash? Uh, countertops. Countertop first. Yes, you'll build right. you'll build off the top of your countertop with your backsplash. You, what you're going to do, like a granite composite uh, countertop, or what? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Get your granite countertops in first, and then we will do the ba tile backsplash subsequent to that that's all i needed to know now, Thanks, now when when are you going to put in the uh under cabinet lighting that you're going to put on your upper cabinets that's going in too all right so you're gonna you're gonna get your upper cabinets mounted then you're gonna bring that little electric pigtail through the drywall right at the bottom of your cabinets right. and you'll be all right. set and then that and then you just tile right up to that hide it cover it mount the lights and it, it'll look just like i did it very good. <laughs> okay. All right, my friend. Thanks, Steve. All right. From there, let's reach out to Dave. Dave has an APS update. I think, Dave, let's see. We pulled up Greg there. Greg, I'm going to ask you to hold just one minute, and let's go to Dave. And uh, that opens a line for you at one 767 4348 Our uh, call screening intern from the uh, Walter Cronkite School of Journalism at ASU is sitting there on his thumbs with nothing to do until you call at one 767 4348 with your question on home maintenance or home repair. And we're, Dave, I'm sorry, I, I, I walked right up to the bottom of the hour break, jabbering, jabbering, jabbering. I'm going to pick you up right after bottom of the hour break.
Hey, good morning. Guess who we have in studio this morning? We have Jan Diotri. Jan, do you know what I think of when I think of Jan and your voice? What? I think of butter. It's like so oh smooth. Oh my gosh. How do you that, do that? That is the best compliment. <laughs> oh my goodness. Jan is, what do you call the author or producer of The One Minute Kitchen? It's on Facebook feed, and you can catch it real easy. Just look up Jan Diotri. And this is the Rosie on the House version with Jen and Jan. Yeah, that's right. And so with the One Minute Kitchen, they're literally one-minute videos that you can really learn a great recipe. And you'll find them on my Facebook page and on Instagram. You'll find them on your Rosie on the House page as well. And uh, so, yeah, we're doing kind of an expanded because you and I both love promoting our Arizona farmers. And... Spin them into recipes, right? That's right. And this <laughs> this month is um, is carrots yep. in our world. It'll be linked to our calendar. You'll be able to see these recipes and find Jan on our on our website and Facebook page. But we had Farmer Russo in a couple of weeks ago talking about his carrot farm. He has Russo. tons of of carrots plus organic carrots he grows. And you know what? I was in Sprouts yesterday, and there was a big poster of him with his carrots. In it. I love that. I'm so awesome. glad they're doing that. In fact, I got I've got Russo carrots right yeah. here today, and they do organic and non-organic carrots. But with their organic farming, it takes three years to develop the soil, Jen, so that they can something like three years right. to develop that crop, which is amazing. Talk about dedication. And uh, so, yeah, we thought we would honor them by doing a really fun recipe today. That's great. And, you know, carrots are so amazing for you. They just have so much packed into them. Great for your eyesight. They have uh, vitamin K. Yep. Potassium, beta carotene, and antioxidants. You can't go wrong. Dip them in hummus before you do anything with them. But that doesn't look like... What no, that's that? not how it's <laughs> but um, And it's also, carrots are great for kids, too, to mm-hmm. grow because it's easy, it's fun, kind right. of instant kind of instant gratification. Well, it right? teaches them patience because you, you have a little green top there and you think you're going to pull it out and there's this little skinny thread. So you got to wait again, wait again. It's fun for them. You know what's really weird is I have goats and I've got horses and I feed them carrots. And they will eat the carrots in a bag. But a lot of times they will not eat carrots, the little ones that have been bleached and scrubbed. They won't touch it. And I'm looking at them thinking if they're not eating it, you know, so it's really nice to have local farmers and also organic farmers who are doing a great job with this. Tell our listening audience here about what this beautiful thing is in this pan. So this is a thing for sure. So (laughs) what I made is I took two cups or one bag, one uh, 16-ounce bag of Russo carrots, excuse me, and I shredded them. And I made a pineapple carrot bread. Mm. Little different than a carrot cake, but it's moist. How come it's so moist? So It's over-the-top moist. It's really good. It's got three eggs, which I want to promote our Arizona egg farmers while we're promoting local uh, farmers because they just do such an amazing job. So it's got three large eggs. And, Jen, when I bake, I always bake with large eggs. Okay. So what makes it moist, I'm going to give you a secret right now. First of all, the there's pineapple, crushed pineapple in there. So that makes it moist. The carrots make it moist. But here's the secret to making a moist cake or bread. When you pull it out of the oven, first of all, don't overbake. Just make sure that you, you know, that you've got a toothpick or right a cake tester that it's not overcooked the minute it comes out of the oven give it a couple of minutes and then cover it with cling wrap or something because what you want to do is kind of 
you want to keep that moisture in and that will it won't dry out because breads dry out pretty quickly and then for a spread you take some of the crushed pineapple that you did not put in the batter mix it with cream cheese and you spread it on that and i'm i'm wondering if we have a taste tester can yeah, you think yeah. of somebody? Oh, are you talking about me? <laughs> oh, hi, Gary. Hi. <laughs> Gary oh, loves these segments. The whole office is like at the door when Jan gets here. Gary, Gary put his hand out. He didn't even know what I was going to hand him. He's just it like, feed me, matter. feed me. Okay, feed me. what is this? Is this uh... So this is the carrot pineapple bread. And um, it's got two cups. Oh, so you're, get, you're mm-hmm. getting your vegetables, oh, you guys, right? <laughs> you're getting your veggies. So and it's not oversweet. That's mm-hmm. what I love about it. It's got it's got regular sugar and a little bit of brown sugar. It's just right. I don't mm-hmm. like super sweet stuff, but it's just right. And what's great about <laughs> this one too is you can freeze it. So <laughs> you'll be able to find this recipe at Rosie on the House. That's right. Thanks for Absolutely. joining us, Jan. Absolutely. Miss Butter. <laughs> Have a great day. Nothing like jumping through in the middle of a home improvement day with a little snack from Jan Autry. And boy, was that snack good. Carrot. Mm. Now, I'm not, I have to say, Rosie is a real big fan of carrots, and Rosie's not a real big fan of pineapple. And she put them both together into like this cake thing that you could hardly get enough of. With the cream cheese topping on top, yeah. Man. All right, let's get back to home improvement. Okay, everybody, attention now. Focus, focus, focus. Let's let's bring Greg into the conversation. We've got Greg, Matt, Carlos, and Joe. Greg, you're up first, my friend. Hi, thanks, Rosie. Okay, Um, what you up to? um, I'm I'm redoing my uh, patio cover. Um, you know, just this, it's a cover over standard 15 by 8, and I want to, it has three posts. I want to remove the center post to kind of open it up and then expand out with a covered awning over it. And it was recommended to me to replace kind of the head beam with the currently 4 by 8 with maybe a 4 by 10 to compensate for the fact that we're removing a center post, one of the three posts, so then there will only be two, one on each end. Does that make sense so far? Yeah. What city are you in, Greg? Uh, Gilbert. Okay. What you'll want to do is get to the Gilbert Building Department, and they will have standard framing template code requirements. You're spanning 15 feet. That's going to have to be something in the neighborhood of a 4 by 12. A 4 by 10 isn't going to cover it. A 4 by 12, uh, and it may even be a touch bigger than that. You may want to go to a glue lamp beam. That's almost the size opening that we put into a double garage door which is 18 feet so get to the city ask them what's the minimum size now i want you to try and picture this you aren't going to be able to lift the roof so the bigger the beam you get the lower the head clearance is going to be as you step off that patio into the backyard you can overcome that instead of doing a four by 12 you may be able to get away with a 6 by 8 or 6 by 10. But they can tell you that at the building department when they have these charts that they hold up. What what live load do you have on your roof? Uh, a, a patio roof is next to nothing. Uh, but you can do exactly what you want to do. Get there. They'll show you the spreadsheets, and then you can order it. It's fairly easy to do. What you're going to do is you're going to come back in off the existing posts about four feet, give yourself room to work, put up some coal beams up there with some kickers on it, four or five support posts on it, and then just knock the center post out. You'll have the patio supported by the little false wall that you've already built. You'll have room to work. 
all your false wall, false wall is supporting the bottom of those of the roof rafters. So now the beam comes out. You're going to have to remove the hurricane straps that are on there, and it's probably going to have to remove the two outside posts as well. Then you're going to set your glue lamb and jack it up there with some uh, roof jacks, hold it up there, anchor it in three or four places with some new Hurricane H25 straps, and then set your two under posts under there, anchor them to the slab with a new Simpson post anchor, go ahead and T-strap the top, then you can kick your artificial wall out and go ahead and finish hammering the uh, joists and anchoring the joists to your new beam, and voila, bada-bing, bada-boom, you've got an open patio. Okay, and it sounds like then that uh, I w- probably won't be doing this, but a, a qualified handyman, not, I don't necessarily need a, a registered contractor to do this. Is that correct? I mean, as long as we're using the correct beam size? Uh, yeah, the the registrar contractor says I think any job under $1,000 falls under the handyman exemption. Uh, so you, and that's supposed to be labor and material combined. Uh, that beam isn't going to cost you probably more than about 300 350 bucks. Okay. So the question is, can you find two guys to get in there and do it in a morning? And you should be able to. That's about four hours worth of work for two guys. Uh, you would fall in underneath the uh, handyman exemption. Okay, and you said um, there was a Simpson. Is that the new plates that the uh, posts go on? There you go. Yeah, exactly. Okay. You You take a picture of what you want to do. And, and take it down to the building department, get their load-bearing spreadsheet, and then take that to a lumber yard, and they'll set you up with all the parts, pieces, the Tico nails, everything that you need. Okay, and it might be engineered wood, right? The beam could be an engineered rather than a solid piece, you're saying? And that, that would be called a glue-lamb beam, and that, okay. that would probably be your best bet. All right. Thank you so much, Rosie. I appreciate it. Hey, that. send me some before and after pictures. Take care. Bye now. All right. Let's get to Joe, who also wants to deal with the roofing issue, and then we'll go to Carlos and Matt. And there's one open line at one 767 Joe, good morning. Hi, Rosie. How you doing? Good. How did, how, uh, how did, how did Jonah do, my new call screener? Uh, <laughs> he did okay. He seemed a little tentative, but not bad. <laughs> okay. All right. What? Don't embarrass me. All right. He's brand new at it. He's doing a great job. What What's your project, Joe? Well, I, I'm getting ready to paint the front of my house, and what I needed to do was knock down a uh, planter box. What did I do to him? We lost you, Joe. Call back. We'll get to you as quick as we can. Let's bring Carlos into the conversation. We'll save a line just for Joe. Joe, call back in, and as soon as you're in, we'll pick you back up and put you on. Carlos. Hi, how are you? How are you, my friend? I'm doing fine. What's hey, going on? I have a 1954 brick home. Okay. And uh, it's all two-pronged, and the uh, boxes are inside the bricks. Yes. So I want to renovate, and I would like to use those thin boxes for the outlets. Yes. And I know if I can use them or not. I'd rather use a two by two rather than a two by fours because I lose a lot of space. Right. Now you're going to use the junction box that's in the masonry wall already. No, I'm not going to use it. I'm going to run you cables. Okay. I'm going to run you wiring. Right. I understand so that, but you want to run them to the existing junction box that's in the masonry wall, right? Yes. 
Okay. And then and then you mentioned furring out. You're going to fur out with two by two. So you, you're not going to mount the new device in that junction box. You're just going to feed it. And then the junction box is going to be mounted on your furring strip. No, not even that because uh, I don't have a hole between the two brick, uh, you know, how they have the, the, uh, the, uh, the inch, inch and a half between the bricks. I don't have that either. So I have to run my wiring outside as well. You may or may boxes. you may or may not, Carlos. Is it a flat roof home? Yes. Oh, then it's going to be harder. Rats. Welcome <laughs> <laughs> to my world. <laughs> yeah, is this something you're going to try and tackle yourself, or you're going to try and get an electrician there to run it? I can for do you? the electrical work, but I do not know what are the requirements for running those thin boxes, and I can run the cables. I understand that I have to uh, shield the cables from any harm. Right. So uh, I'm okay with that, just putting, uh, you know, the uh, metal strip across because I'm not doing all the walls. I'm just doing the exterior walls. Okay. And the and the service panel, has it ever been upgraded? No, I still have 100 amps with uh, something. <laughs> okay. All right. So what you're going to have to do, Carlos, is if we're going from a two-prong to a grounded system, we're, we're going to have to ground each circuit because your 100-amp service panel probably doesn't have a ground bar in it. So we're going to have to uh, get around the house and connect each one of those circuits that you're upgrading or updating into a self-grounded uh, situation, uh, which is above my pay grade level as an electrician. But I don't think your 100-amp service section is going to let you add that ground bar. And you don't want to put a three-prong receptacle into a situation that isn't grounded. That's, that's all but dangerous. So avoid that. I'm going to tell you what, Carlos. We've got your name and your phone number. Let's jot that number down. And I'm going to get an electrician in Tucson to give you a call because the question is over my head. I want to make sure you're being given absolutely the right information, and uh, I'll have one of my Tucson electricians ring you. Okay, Dave is back on, and uh, let's pick up Dave on line five, bring him into the conversation. I Good. love Jan Diotri. What a <laughs> lovely person. Yeah, you should taste this carrot pineapple cake. <laughs> if there's some <laughs> left. Wish we could share it with everybody. Man. Oh, yummy. Man, oh, man. I, I got bad news. What is it? Yesterday, I fell down in my living room, and I broke my left arm. Oh, no. man. Ouch. I played college football, wrestled, skied. And then you broke your arm in your living I room. And I broke my stinking arm because I'm a klutz. <laughs> <laughs> well. You know what? I'm an amputee and a, and a triple bypass survivor. This is much easier than those. And and a veteran as well. So No, no, I'm not a veteran. Oh, I thought you were. Okay. No, no. Uh, I 4F'd out of the Army in 68. But uh, anyhow, what? last Monday, yes, uh, 10.30 in the morning, a lovely woman from APS called me. Remember I called last we, week? We set that up, yes. And you set that up. She called me, and we just had a wonderful conversation she said that my equal pay <laughs> <laughs> and and the the uh, program that I had picked were perfect for me. Okay, good. Now, I disagree with you on that because there's enough information. If you look at your bill, it 
online, it gives you everything you need to compare. If, if you know how to read it, and you do, you've educated yourself to the point you can. I just fight with homeowners that the only thing they know how to read on their electric bill is the dollar amount. So if you educate yeah. if you educate yourself to the point to know what's on that bill and read the total kilowatts and how much was bought on peak, how much was bought off peak, what's your demand? If you're on that rate plan, if you're not, should you be? But uh, I, I'm glad they were able to get in touch with you, Dave, and, and answer the questions you had and make sure that you are picking the right plan to switch to. Hey, take care of that arm and uh, take care of yourself. So you've got beautiful tall trees and glowing shrubs, and they look terrific in your yard. They also look great for insects. So if you're looking for a product that will prevent insect damage on tall trees, but you can't reach the top with your sprayer, Bonide Annual Tree and Shrub. Just apply it once early spring, and it prevents insect infestations for up to one full year. There's no spraying, no ladders, and no mess. Mix as directed, that's very important, and pour at the base of the tree or shrub. The systematic insecticide is absorbed through the roots and will travel throughout the entire plant, and it will not wash off. So use your ladder and sprayer for something else. Try annual tree and shrub from Bonide. Bonide products are family-made in America, and there's a dealer near you in Arizona. Go to Bonide.com, type in your zip code, and look for Bonide annual tree and shrub. So you don't have to worry about insects ruining that shade of the beautiful tall tree or your shrubs. Annual Tree and Shrub from Bonite. And welcome back to Rosie on the House. I went long that last segment. Let's bring Joe in. We dropped him accidentally. I apologize, Joe. You're painting your house. Pick it up from um, there. I'm trying to move what looks like car paper, paper from a block hall. It's only like 18 inches, 2 feet uh, above the grade, but I don't think I should paint over that because uh, some of it's bubbling up. You know uh, what, Joe the, the, Joe, Joe, the connection isn't real good. Can you move your head or blink one eye or if you're all, on, if you're on stand blinking. on one foot? <laughs> Take it I'm off blinking. Oh, there he is. Yeah, we got you uh, good I'm, now. I also got a cold. <laughs> okay, all right. This is a mu- this is much better. Okay, so uh, we're, we've, we're dealing with a tar paper product where on the house? Um, the front of the house on a block wall. Okay. So I've, I've scraped and sanded as much as I could off, but I still got quite a bit on there. And I tried uh, one of my propane torches. Okay. And that got some of it off, but at the point where I almost lit the you know <laughs> wall on fire. And this is where a patio roof used to tie into the masonry wall? No, it's uh, where there used to be a flower box. Down low, and, and they... It looks like they waterproofed it by putting tar paper down there at the base. Got it. Okay. That's going to be tough. That's going to be tough. So you That's s- why I called you, yeah. if it was easy. Um, is the masonry currently painted, Joe? Yes, it is. Okay. Um, and the waterproofing comes up the stem wall... Up over the masonry, is it a slump block masonry or a smooth masonry? Uh, no, it's the old 1950s big block type. Okay, so that, that would be fairly smooth as opposed to the slump block. 
Um, I don't know that you're going to get that off other than sandblasting or soda blasting. But if you do that, you're going to have to be very careful because you can damage the mortar joints. They generally don't recommend sand or soda blasting masonry walls. An experienced, good sandblaster can do it without causing a problem. And when he does it, he's actually going to remove the very surface of the masonry and expose more of a granular look. So what you're going to want him to do is maybe kind of fan that out and camouflage it and blend it in. It takes an experienced hand to do that. But uh, I think that's going to be about your best bet. It, is, it isn't going to come off any other way. No, I've, I've, I've tried to even use a high-pressure sprayer. Pressure washer won't do it. No. Pressure washer, yeah. yeah. Uh, no product maybe that I can apply to lock that in? Not that I know of, my friend. Not that I know of. All right, so soda blasting or sand blasting? That's it. And then we do a good F-stop primer on the masonry and paint two coats of high acrylic paint, exterior grade, and you'll be all set. Yeah, yeah, yeah.